0: Episode thirteen Cup
1: of Death (laughs) Kodichiwa Welcome to Voyage of the Page-Turner, the choose-your-own page-turning podcast, with me, comedian Colin Lego. I've gone all Japanese at the start of this 13th episode. Why? Well, the story is set in Japan. I haven't gone insane and just spouting out different languages. No, we are going to Japan in episode 13. How exciting. It's the 13th episode, so some could say it's unlucky. It's not unlucky, because it was a brilliant recording I had with my guest, Brad Zimmerman. So you're going to enjoy that. But I'm not really into uh, any superstitions but because it is the 13th episode and we're going to Japan I thought I'd look up some Japanese superstitions and I found out some things I did not know for example did you know in Japan if you see a spider in the morning, it's good luck, right? So you shouldn't kill the spider. However, if you see a spider in the evening, it's bad luck and could symbolise death, so you should kill the spider. So it's its own self-fulfilling prophecy, really, because it does symbolise death, because then you kill a spider. Also in Japan, did you know that a crow's core, so the sound of a crow, so a caw. crow, crow. <laughs> That was my best crow impression. Sorry for offending any crows out there. Um, Anyway, a crow's core also symbolises bad luck. So it could symbolise death or natural disasters, or even something worse. So uh, it's probably just a crow eating a spider because it's the evening time. I don't know. Oh, by the way, episode 13, Cup of Death, is the first book away from R.A. Montgomery. This is the first book we are reading by another author, which is Shannon Gilligan. So let's see how that goes, and let's see if this episode 13 is good luck or bad luck for my Voyager as we go into this episode 13 of Voyage of the Page-Turner.
0: Brad Zimmerman used to be a comedian and a writer. But he stopped doing those things because he'd rather be playing, planning, or thinking about tabletop role-playing games. He is now the host and creator of The Fate of Eisen, the Kiwi D&D podcast. Brad started building the world of Eisen when he was a teen and has been playing multiple games and stories there for the past few years. Brad is a father to two awesome kids and husband to one awesome wife who, depending on Brad's success within the world of the page-turner, may never see their beloved husband or father again.
1: So, Brad, be sure to make the right decisions. Your family are counting on it. Brad Zimmerman, welcome to Voyage of the Page-Turner.
2: Yay! <laughs> I don't know what to say when people say welcome to something, it's just thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> or welcome to you too as well, Colin. Uh, we're both welcome here, this is a s- uh, safe space.
1: <laughs> this is a safe space to s- discuss anything we want. Um, you are my furthest uh, voyager. We are opposite ends of our lovely globe. Um, so congratulations, well done. Um, for,
2: yeah, I, I, I worked hard <laughs> to do that, uh, to be as far from you as possible. I'm so far away. If I were any further, I'd be closer.
1: So The flat earthers are having a nightmare with this conversation. Um, uh, well, it, 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 for, for me, it's quite magical because being, you know, I, I am an adult, but I often think of myself as a child and I, I see you as in the future you are in, you're in <laughs> being in New Zealand you are in the future things have happened to you that haven't happened here it's amazing I know
2: Monday night is going off here but you <laughs> won't find that out for 13 more hours oh,
1: how, how? what is the future like Brad is it? Is it all I hoped and dreamed
2: um, well I have the Samsung uh, S9000 um, <laughs> it's actually getting a bit old here now you'll get that in about 10 years um <laughs> and our beds are all hovering no no more bed no more bed frames
1: ah see that in the past that wasn't in bats the future they had hover boards but not hover beds that sounds amazing
2: can i just step out of this for a moment and just bring up the fact that like that was my example of something in the future was beds (laughs) (laughs) where is how old am i
1: Well, you come to that age, Brad, you know, you could have had a flying car, you could have had some kind of sexy weapon, no, no, a bed.
2: <laughs> it's all I want.
1: It's all you want. <laughs> um, well, it's lovely to have you on the podcast, um, for many reasons, I think we're going to have fun today, but your podcast, The Fate of Ison," was my first experience of Listening to something which maybe created another world um, for people to not only enjoy but to add to in their own imagination. Where did the Fate of Ice and Star? How did that come about?
2: Um, well, I've I've been playing D and D for most of the last decade. Um, after I mm. sort of I just was interested, and I asked a few of my friends if they knew much about the game, and one of my good friends, uh, Eric said yeah he, he's never run it before but he'll try running it for me and a couple other people who put their hands up mm. um we played we played that for about a year or so and then he had to go to the uk so i started running games um started listening to a few dnd podcasts um and thought i i quite like the idea of recording what we've got and trying to punch it up make it Exciting and and, um, Mm. action-packed, and add some music and sound effects and things. Really, like make it a production and put it out there. And the group I was playing with said that sounds dumb. Who would listen to that? No, thank you. Um, So I got a new group. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. uh, So, but the problem with that is the old group is still going. So I'm actually running multiple stories in Ison that Mm. are happening concurrently, um, and they sort of their storylines cross paths from time to time. Mm. Uh, which is quite hard to keep up with. But uh, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, always wanted, so long story short, TLDR, mm. always wanted to play d d did play d d wanted to record it, found a group who also wanted to record it.
1: Okay, and from listening to uh, your podcast, which I recommend people do, uh, if they like if they like the page turner, they, they definitely will enjoy your world that you've created as well. Uh, you write a lot of it or all of it really yourself is that correct
2: yeah well it i mean it's collaborative but mm. i certainly i write the plot hooks and the greater world like what's happening in the world itself mm. and then sort of the players fill in how that comes about and i'm i would put them on a path and they would either follow that path or they would and. the in, most you know most of this comes from one player in particular um called Oliver uh he would say to help with the path and forge something completely different but <laughs> right. um okay. yeah the grander story of the world itself is written by me, but everything in between is sort of made up by the players
1: mm. uh, it's it's amazing and um a bit like this show you know you 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 love an accent there's lots of lovely accents on your show uh and lots of nice um post edit sound effects and stuff um where do you sit with accents because i i whenever i have to do one on this podcast i'm inside i'm almost dying thinking of what kind of repercussions (laughs) there's going to be but then i think i'm just going to go with it um are you similar do you uh, where's your sort of moral compass on that
2: yeah i love doing accents and Per, like personally off mic i i feel like nothing's off limits as long as you know you're sort of being respectful you're not mm. um you're not punching down or anything you know um but at the same time i know that intention doesn't always come across with um with with works and arts and and things like that so i'm always hesitant to do something that could be borderline and put it out in the podcast because it's not just a reflection on me either it's a reflection on the players who who let me go who let me do that accent um yeah for the most i love doing accents i, I find it really fun even if it's bad uh, especially if it's bad actually <laughs> that, that that's that adds to the comedy um yeah. but yeah a lot of things just sort of end up veering towards like a sort of pseudo eastern european no matter what i started with
1: I mean yeah I think pe- people in my in these stories that I've done you know the the Spanish have sounded like the Italian have sounded like the people from Switzerland so yeah I know exactly what you mean yeah I'm a little bit worried today I must admit because we'll get into the book in a bit but your book is called Cup of Death and it's set in Tokyo oh
2: um, okay I mean, <laughs>
1: It's it's I, I well, I'm I'm gonna have to just have to watch myself <laughs> and probably not go down the obvious routes of accents. Now you're not unaware of the UK. You spent a lot of time here doing or some, some years doing some stand-up, is that correct? Uh,
2: yeah, most of two thousand nine. I sort of uh, I went over with some friends and they went one way and I went another and I sort of spent my days working a temp job in an office that took me an hour and a half to commute to and from and then my nights doing gigs and then sort of getting to bed at like 2am and starting again at 6 the next day so it was a very hard year and i have absolutely nothing to show for it (laughs) It complete and utter waste of my time and soul
1: well you've got the experiences the memories no (laughs)
2: <laughs> made a few and made a few good friends along the way oh, that's good that's pretty much it yeah uh,
1: did you so did when you went back um to New Zealand did you carry on the stand up when you got back?
2: yeah, I did um to some levels of moderate local success nice um, mm. never any grand um, flying high achievements or anything, but certainly performed all around the country did various festivals um I've done three solo hour shows in festivals um doing you know several performances in each one and then yeah and in, in 2017 i did i did a run of sold out hour-long shows it was sort of like a culmination of of all the material i'd put together mm. and then stopped just before <laughs> my second daughter was born
1: ah Right yes the, the priorities shift a little i suppose don't they with when when children come along. <laughs> yep. Now uh, I talk to my guests uh, every week about their own adventures when they were younger. So i don't know uh, what it was like growing up in New Zealand i imagine it was exactly like Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but am i there's right more, what, there's what actually
2: ge- more orcs there's more orcs in real life. <laughs> the the movies really play down the orc epidemic uh, that we've got right, going on yeah. it's it's bad <laughs> just don't go on the tall grass to be honest
1: um <laughs> yeah I, I, I is it not like that are you saying it's not like that brad don't shatter my dreams what what what, what were you getting up to when you were uh, growing up um,
2: well i i grew up um in or well, mostly most of my childhood was in a, a small um beachside town and, I mean, there's an, there's an old adage that, you know, in New Zealand you're never, like, more than an hour away from a beach, and it's pretty much true. But we we lived in this um, area where very much the main feature was the beach. And I pretty much lived at the beach and spent most of my time either bodyboarding, surfing, or, like, exploring rock pools, going around the rocky coast, climbing cliffs with, with uh, my friends... There was a small forest, not really much of a forest, just just a, like a large amount of trees in one spot, <laughs> which I suppose is a definition of a forest. But it wasn't really a forest. <laughs> yes, yeah, mo- mostly the beach, the rocks, and the sort of lightly forested area was where I spent most of my time.
1: Ah, uh, nice. So it sound. I mean, that, that is what I would imagine New Zealand's going to be like, especially the bodyboarding and the and the the stuff in the sea. That sounds amazing. When, when you were on those adventures, uh, if you were out for the day, for example, I mean, I was always, I was never more than 10 minutes from my house, but sounds like you were a bit more adventurous. What snacks were featuring, uh, on your adventures in those lunch boxes or backpacks?
2: Yeah. Um, well, we, we would typically have, um, just like a, we'd, we'd head along to the nearby dairy or corner store, um, and buy whatever lollies we could or sweets. Sorry, I'm trying to translate into English, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kiwi English to UK English. Uh, my wife's my wife's English, so she she helps me sometimes. Um, uh, okay, okay. And or whatever chippies or crisps that I could yeah. get my hands on. But w- often we would just buy these little white paper bags with you know, like a ten cent mix of of, of sweets. And it would be you know jet plane lollies wine gums uh sour worms like little sherbet disc things not flying saucers if that's what you're thinking we don't have those here um shame i can i can send some (laughs) oh oh, there are specialty like english import shops that have them but there was a phase there was this really weird phase where my friend joel and i we might have been maybe nine or ten where any every saturday and sunday we would just gather whatever money we could it was normally you know like two dollars or something not a lot Mm. in the talk in the mid 90s and we would go to the local fish and chip shop where they knew us and we would ask for one dollar worth of chips which wasn't much but it was enough to feed you know two kids and then whatever money we had left we would go around two stores down to the fruit shop and we would spend it all on plums and we spent i don't know how this started but for about a six month period every weekend we ate nothing but chips and plums it was i don't know why i guarantee you were not expecting any guest in this podcast to say that
1: (laughs) no that is not a combination i have ever heard or ever want to try i mean was it like a starter main dessert or were you just like everything together
2: no definitely not together would, that we, like we're not we're not savages <laughs> we, know, <laughs> we know that chips and plums don't work as like one unit but we would eat some yeah. chips then we would eat some plums perfectly mm. civilized nine ten-year-olds <laughs> veering towards fruit by choice (laughs) so bizarre
1: wow so that is quite a combination all right well look let's um let's get into the book today and uh find out whether or not your adventuring uh in new zealand is going to help you through this uh book cup of death (laughs) which is one of the best (laughs) one of the best titles i think i've had uh so far on the series
2: it's a lot better than mug of feeling slightly iffy Yeah, that's right. Well, bucket of dizziness. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's right. Bowl of disappointment. Um, (laughs) Twenty-three possible endings. Book written in nineteen eighty-five, and this particular copy is secondhand, and it smells of the eighties. Do you know, like, when you get a book from the library and you can almost smell where it, when it's from?
2: What does that smell like? Shell suits oh, and wow. like bad cologne.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bit a bit of Thatcher thrown in there because it's UK, obviously. Yeah. Can you
2: smell of... <laughs> neon pink? Is that a smell?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Cup of death in this episode thirteen of Voyage of the Page Turner.
0: You were looking at another long, cold day of your New Year's vacation. When your good friend Kenichi calls to report the theft of a rare tea bowl from a famous tea ceremony school in Kyoto, you leap at the chance to hone your detective skills and help Kenichi's brother. But, several confrontations later, you realize you might be in over your head.
1: As in glug. 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 So it sounds like you're you're going to hone your detective skills. I don't know whether that means you are a detective or you're just on the side bit of detective work. Um, just trying
2: to level up what in detectiving.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, hone your skills. Uh, and Kenichi and yourself, we don't know much about you yet. Um, have you ever been to a tea ceremony? Is that something that you've ever experienced yourself?
2: No, no it's not. I'm, I'm excited to, to find out what a tea bowl is.
1: A bowl with I would imagine from the front cover of Cup of Death, uh, the, there's a pair of hands holding a bowl, uh, and in the bowl there is a scary face with, uh, with smoke coming out of it. I don't think that's an, an official tea ceremony experience. I, I think that would be quite scary. Okay, well, let's get into it and see um, what we can do for Kanichi's brother. Page one. You're on the coach, staring out of the window. Another cold grey day. It's January third, the last official day of New Year celebrations in Japan. Your family is spending the year in Kyoto, and even if Japanese school is three times harder than the schools in the United States, you'll almost be glad when classes start again in two days. Anything is better than boring vacation. Oh, why is this boring? Why is it boring, Brad? What? Why aren't you enjoying would- your vacation?
2: I want to know why. Like, how he's able to quantify that school is 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 exactly three times harder than American school. Why isn't it just harder? Like, why does it... Well, I've I've done the calculations. Uh, It's actually three times harder, you'll find.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, I think that
2: means my character's American, right? We just learned the character is American?
1: Character's American. So, um, yeah, we can do bad American accents. I think I can get away with that. The triple ring of the telephone uh, interrupts your thoughts. I'll get it, you yell, jumping up. Moshi Moshi, you say to the receiver, answering Japanese-style. <laughs> I'm glad...
2: <laughs> Japanese-style.
1: That's, that's just a funny way to put it. I'm glad it's you. We need your help. You recognise the voice of Konichi, your best friend on the other end. I'm glad I recognise his voice. Yeah, he's always putting on accents, Konichi. You just never know. <laughs> um, I can't talk on the phone. I'm um, at the Yura Senki, a tea ceremony school where my older brother, Kentashi, studies. Kentashi and I are in trouble. Can you meet us here? I'll be there right away, you say.
2: I like how in these books there's always someone saying we're in trouble, but no one ever explains anything about the trouble. What do I need to bring, Kenichi? What do I need to bring? Do I need a hat?
1: That's, shall I bring a hammer? Yeah, it, it could be. It could it could just be that they have got a leaky tap and need someone to fix it, or they might be eaten by a dragon. You're right. We never know the level of trouble, do we? They could just be getting yelled at by
2: an adult. Like it could be nothing. <laughs> We're in trouble. Why? What's what's happening? The mean man says blah blah blah. Oh, why did I come across Ow? For that, <laughs> Konichi, you dick.
1: And I called the police as well. Ah, oh, Kanichi. Okay. Um, you tell your mother that you are going out for the rest of the day. 30 minutes later, you walk down a quiet, tree-lined street and approach the main gate to the world-famous school. Kanichi is waiting for you. Follow me, he whispers. You follow your friend along a stone pathway, past several buildings, passing under an archway. You enter a simple, stunning garden, and continue towards a small, hut-like building at the far end. This is the tea room, Kenichi tells you quietly. My brother is inside. His brother bows as you crawl through the low door. I'm so glad you could come, he says. Kenichi tells me you solve a mystery once in your own country. I thought you may be able to help me today. Kenichi's brother begins this morning just before I was about to perform the tea ceremony for four extremely distinguished guests. I discovered that the tea bowl I had set out was missing. It was stolen, you mean, Kanichi says excitingly. Yes, he agrees. I believe it was stolen. And it wasn't just a common tea bowl either, Kanichi adds. It was a very old and famous bowl. A piece called a yuk isu. What's a yuk isu piece, you ask? Cinaware is a type of pottery that has a moulded white glaze with trings of grey and red, Kanichi explains. The bowl has grey blotches near the lip. On one side we're just describing the bowl now brad this is exciting listening <laughs> stay tuned folks stay tuned <laughs> um so the bowl has greyish blotches near the lip on one side that looks like snow clouds hence the name yakishu means it looks like snow see we're not only reading a book we're learning at the same time brad Lingo eat your heart out. Yeah, exactly. All important tea bowls are eventually named. Some are named after memorable tea ceremonies, others are named for their distinctive appearance. Several years ago it was made a national treasure. Oh what, you ask? A national treasure, Kanichi says. It's a work of art. A screen, a painting, a tea bowl, for instance, so important for the preservation of ancient Japanese culture and tradition that it can be never taken out of the country. All national treasures are registered at the Ministry of Education up in Tokyo. Their every movement is monitored by someone up in the ministry.
2: It's Nicolas Cage.
1: <laughs> ah, I hope he appears in the book. That would be amazing. <laughs> I've got, i put, put money on that we're going to go up to the National Ministry of Education in Tokyo at some point in this book. I don't know.
2: I, don't, I, think, I think we're going to end up in a pottery class or something, to be honest, and just like make our own imitation of the bowl, because we failed to find it. Let's try and like pass a knockoff and then we're going to get arrested for fraud.
1: Yeah, and it'll be one of those things, your final thoughts in the cell where you finally die is, I should have been better at pottery. <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> How much is the bowl worth? You want to know. Hundreds of thousands in US money. Maybe even more on the black market, says Kanichi, which is where I'm afraid the bowl is headed. How long has this bowl been missing, you ask? Ten- Kanichi looks at his watch, uh, 15 minutes The tea ceremony was scheduled for 10.30, which is right about the time I noticed the Yakitsu was gone. First I called my brother, who then called you. I searched the garden, the hut, and the waiting area thoroughly. The bowl is nowhere. (laughs) Konichi adds, after a phrase, I wanted to keep the police out as long as possible. A thing like this will make national headlines immediately. It will be a disgrace to the school and the dishonour to the, my family. The first rule of a good detective work is to get all the details straight you think, as Kanichi finishes speaking, but this job sounds awfully big. Maybe it's too big. Now, Brad, here is your first choice. You could tell them that it's always important to deal with the police in a case like this, or if you want more information about the four guests, you could ask for more details about the tea ceremony.
2: Okay, so my options here are go to the cops, which I've just mm. said, or someone has just said, the first rule of being a good detective is don't go to the cops, it's get your American <laughs> child friend involved. Um, which I think is what Sherlock Holmes, that was, that was his theory too. and Yeah. Or, yeah. so it's go to the cops or ask more questions like a good detective would Um, it seems Mm. pretty I think if I tell them, if I decide to go to the cops they're just going to say, well, why did we call you? Story over? So I'm going to go with the other one and I'm going to do a bit of digging.
1: All right. And and, and for for um, for the listeners, I'd like to say audio and visual. Um, this, like I said, this book is secondhand from 1985, and this this particular page has a lot of mildew and mold on it. So so that's nice. It's been sat in someone's garage for many years, and now it's in my hands, which is nice. Um, so you're going to decide to get some more information about the four guests. And the tea ceremony. Yes, it's dig. Sounds wise. Okay. But like you know, Brad, you've listened to this podcast. Uh, your choices are your choices and you live and die by those choices. So uh, oh, let's see how no, we go. I just
2: made the wrong choice, didn't I?
1: <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying um, that uh, it's your choice. Okay, here we go. Let's get some more information. Who were the guests, you ask? There were four altogether. Nariko, Mrs. Oda, Tario and Hiro. Tario, you ask? The name rings a bell. Doesn't he have a good chance of being elected prime minister this spring? Yes, the brothers reply. But only if Mr. Narita and his followers in the J- Japanese Congress do not oppose him. Mrs. Oda, a gem trader here in Kyoto, is a friend of both men. She felt a tea ceremony at New Year's would be a good place for them to, as you Americans say, bury the hatchet. Oh, so there's some bad feeling amongst the politicians at this tea ceremony.
2: Some bad blood. I
1: smell motive. Ah, oh, is this something going on. Okay, what happens at the tea ceremony, you ask? Basically, you serve tea. <laughs> Um, But you do it within a strict framework of prescribed actions. Tea ceremony has evolved over hundreds of years. There is a precise way of performing each step of the ceremony, from greeting your guests to whisking the tea itself. Hang on a second. Who's whisking tea? Do you drink tea, Brad? Do you ever whisk your tea? No, I I don't whisk my tea because that's...
2: I, I believe like I mean I might be stepping on some cultural toes here but I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's weird you don't whisk tea
1: yeah I mean they but like like they said it's a traditional ceremony maybe they've just worked out that's the best way to drink tea I don't know I don't get it you say what's so interesting about it then suddenly, uh, Kanichi, who has seemed somewhat tense and formal, loosens up. Why, everything is interesting, he says. The choice of utensils, how you reflect the weather, the season, the mood of the guests and the hosts, how carefully the ritual is performed. Kanichi nods and smiles. Yes, everything about tea is interesting. Do students of the tea ceremony like yourself often perform the ceremony for an important guest, you ask? Hmm, not usually, they reply. But Mrs. Oda is an old person. She is particularly supportive of us younger ones studying tea. All she asked my teacher was that the ceremony is performed by one of the more talented students. One day Kanichi will be the greatest tea master in Japan, they say. Not if I don't recover this piece of uh, pottery, you say. Tell me, do you know any of the guests personally? Is there anything unusual about them? Mrs Oda I see from time to time around the school. She is always uh, very pleasant. I know she travels abroad frequently to buy and sell gems. I also know her son years ago when we were together in junior school. But later he fell into gambling and drinking and finally dropped out of school. I know nothing about the politicians except what you read in the papers. You stroke your chin in thought. (laughs) I think I'd like to talk to each of the guests individually. Now, Brad, here are your choices, four choices to be made. So you can go to the politician first, the man from the Ministry of Arts, Mrs. Oda, the gem seller, or the rival politician to the Prime Minister.
2: Okay, can I first just point out how absurd it is that this, like, American child... Even has the option to just go and interrogate a prime ministerial (laughs) candidate? (laughs) Listen, minister, I'm not gonna take any crap from you, alright? I need some answers. There is a bowl missing and I think you're involved, okay? Alright, look, I know I'm only ten, but I'm the authority here, okay? You're not prime minister yet, alright? You... you... you presumptuous little asshole I'm sorry but I'm in charge of this investigation now hang on I need a juice
1: box I need a juice box (laughs) you're stressing me out uh, and yes, I have got a skateboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you sh- you should be doing the accents, Brad. I forgot. totally forgot that I was American. I haven't been doing an American accent for the last three pages. Yeah, so se- security is quite lax. Which one
2: was the one um, with a history... Or, or whose son has a history of drinking and gambling? Uh,
1: that was Mrs. Uh, Oda. The gem seller. The gem seller, yeah. So her son... Was uh, at school with your friend Kanichi. Is his name Kanichi? I forgot what his my, name. My was friend's
2: now. name is Kanichi. Yeah, yeah. Kanichi.
1: Kanichi. Um, yeah, So you were at school with her son, and uh, he dropped out because he was gambling um, and drinking. So, I mean possible motives for stealing a bowl i don't
2: know yeah so like i live i live in the current here and now of 2021 and i understand that alcoholism is a disease and gambling addiction is a disease but i'm thinking Mm. of through the eyes of a writer back in 1985 and these are just signifiers of a bad person that's all they are um so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump on that lead and i'm gonna think that mrs hatter is doing something dodgy with gems, maybe the gem business, the gem game is drying up a bit. So she's trying to sell black market tea bowls to pay for her son's issues.
1: Um, there's a lovely drawing of Mrs. Oda. She, she looks very grumpy. I know this isn't great content for a podcast, but she has a very grumpy face. So she's either very sad about her son's misfortunes and his way of life, or she knows that she's uh, on the run. I don't know what that face means. Let's find out.
2: I mean, that's the face of any, any, you know, person who's being interrogated by an American child.
1: Just uh, wanting to be somewhere else, basically. Uh, Okay. Mrs. Oda is within walking distance. So the three of you set off. Ten minutes later, you ring the bell at her front gate. An ancient servant answers, and you step forward. Uh, We are friends of Mrs. Oda... ...from the tea ceremony, and I would like to talk to her. Is she within, you ask? Is is she within? That's very weird English. Zen. That's very zen. Is she within herself? The servant nods and snaps. Follow me! He disappears abruptly, and the three of you hurry after... ...as he leads you through Mrs. Oda's exquisite front garden... ...and around to the side of the house. I knew Mrs. Oda was rich says Kenichi, staring around, but not this rich. Oh, so she has no money problems, apparently.
2: Well, the gym game must have been good for a while. Maybe maybe she's forecasting that it's not going to be good, so she's saving up bowls for a rainy day.
1: That old saying.
2: <laughs> I think Abraham Lincoln said that.
1: <laughs> That's right, did. One small tea bowl for man. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, here we go, right. There's a small fish pond off to one corner and a bucket of bloody red meat next to it. Oh, no. Noticing um, your surprised look, the servant explains. When you rang, I was feeding the fish. Fish, you ask. Piranha, the old man says. I will tell Mrs. Oda you're here. Some pet, you mutter, as the servant slides the door shut. But before Kanichi can say anything, there is a click at the door, slides back, and Mrs. Oda steps through. She is a great description coming up. She is a short, plump woman with heavy jowls and curiously old-fashioned glasses. She is wearing an expensive silk kimono and a large diamond flashes on her right pinky. Why, Kanichi? she exclaims, what a pleasant surprise. I hope you bring news of the missing tea bowl. No. He replies, bowing. Unfortunately, I don't, but I would like, before he can finish speaking, Mrs. Oda interrupts. Well, no matter. Since you are here anyway, I insist on you staying for a cup of tea. And perhaps you might like to examine my tea room. It's rather small, but most find it intriguing nonetheless. You're beginning to think that Mrs. Oda is going to go on in this way non-stop when she is called away to the phone she returns about 10 minutes later but now her manner has changed completely Hmm. now and before i turn the page and find out why what why who who is on the phone what has this got to do with our um investigations do you think possibly
2: um i think it's either her son or it's someone involved With her son, uh, and and it's 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 a call of you know your son owes us money or something like that. Can and I just want to point out that they they went to great um, the author went to great lengths to describe that this woman's um, glasses were really old fashioned. Wouldn't it be weirder if they weren't? If they were like super modern, like high culture. fashionable glasses like i don't know i just got a weird image that like she's in like radical shades or something like that would be super weird
1: (laughs) yeah appears a plump woman wearing bang on trend glasses (laughs) ray-bans i think yeah nope traditional um uh kenichi "'You must excuse me,' Mrs. Oda laughs. "'Oh, she laughs. "'But a problem has just arisen "'that requires my immediate attention. "'I hate to ask you to leave so soon, "'but another time, perhaps. "'You might like to come and see my tea room another time.' "'Of course,' the brothers say, "'standing and bowing politely. "'You and Kanichi follow out the room. "'As soon as you are back on the street, Kanichi says, "'Boy, did she ever switch from hot to cold? "'I wonder what that phone call was all about.' "'I know.' you agree. Something felt awful, and my accent has come back. Something felt awfully suspicious. I certainly know I know more about her now. I have a friend who works from a jet for the gem business. Maybe you'd like to talk to him, Kenichi suggests. But trying to peek into Mrs. Oda's garden through a crack in the gate, something tells me it might be worthwhile to stake this place out for a while and watch where Mrs. Oda goes. So... Decision time, Brad. Do you decide to interview Kenichi's friend who works in the gem business, or do you decide to watch over Mrs. Oda's place to see where she is going and what she is up to?
2: Go and monitor the gem industry, or watch an old woman in her house. These are some... (laughs) These options you're giving me, Colin, (laughs) are something else. (laughs) Um... Well, yeah. I mean, she. I don't like the way that that her attitude changed. Um, so like that phone call was, was was something serious, and we didn't get it. We came all this way to talk to her, and she even started to say, "Look at my tea room," and then was like, "Actually, get get out." I'm thinking we just watch her. I'm thinking we we watch an old lady. Let's let's stalk the lady.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, the options are a little bit odd. You're right. Do you do you think? I mean, where? You you I suppose you do need to know where she's going? Possibly.
2: If we came here and then leave without learning anything, it's sort of like a half-followed lead.
1: Like let let's lead. Let's take this to its conclusion. So to hang around tucked away near the piranhas i just know there's piranhas in this garden but tucked away somewhere near the piranhas in a hedge or something yeah that's a weird little chikov's
2: gun there as well those piranhas like something has to happen with the piranhas
1: <laughs> I, I i mean i don't want to be all sort of um gangster movie but what is the red meat who who is the red meat do you know what i'm just saying it's the prime minister <laughs> See, it could be, couldn't it? It it's could the, be. It's the
2: current but Prime Minister. Never. That's why the other guy is gonna get the job. Because the last guy
1: was eaten <laughs> by piranhas. Mrs. Oda is some kind of Mafia boss. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna watch her for a bit, yes? Yep. You position yourselves up the street where you can't be seen from Mrs. Oda's. I mean, you're assuming that, but who knows. And settle in for a wait. Mrs. Oda doesn't disappoint you. Forty-five minutes later, her servant unbolts the heavy side doors to her property and drives a shiny new black Toyota around to the front. Mrs. Oda emerges from the front gate wearing a navy blue western-style suit. Mm. country western, wild western, <laughs> rhinestone. She's stepping out all yeehaw <laughs> style, or just like
2: western, meaning you know, like English or American generic western world
1: well, there is no drawing so for our imaginations let's let's imagine she's come out dressed like a weird version of dolly parton uh doing some line dancing that would make me smile okay she says something to the old man and gets into the driver's seat the servant disappears inside did you hear what she was saying Kanichi asks no no you reply but let's follow her Kanichi. Run to the other street and get a cab. I'll stay here with your brother and watch if she returns. He returns with a cab a few minutes later. We're following a black Toyota, you tell the cab driver, climbing in. It took a left at the next corner. Head up there. Step on it, please. I love it. I've always wanted to get in a cab and actually say that to the cab driver.
2: Yep. Me too. That's a fantasy. I, I don't think it's uh, ever happened or is ever going to happen, but I'm glad it's happening now.
1: The cab driver follows Mrs. Oda's route, but back out onto another street, you can't see her car anywhere. Over there, Kenichi says suddenly, pointing. Just as the black car takes a left and heads downtown, she must be going towards her shop. Surely enough, after a short while later, Mrs. Oda pulls into an alley alongside an impressive building with a black marbled front. Odor gems, say an elegant character's cut into the stone above the display window. You let the cab go and crouch behind a parked car in the alleyway. Mrs. Odor unlocks a side entrance and disappears inside. Now, this is my chance, you whisper. I'm gonna go and hide in her trunk to go along for a ride. Don't do think it's too risky, Kenichi asks. If she discovers you, who knows what she'll do? I say we wait here and see what she does. Now, Brad, you know the options. Stay and wait to see what she does or get in her trunk. I mean, they're, they're the options. Well... If I stay
2: and wait to see what she does, she might then get in her car without me noticing and leave without me, and then I've lost my lead. But if I get in the trunk, she might pull the old switcheroo and get in a different car and leave, and now I'm stuck in a trunk. I mean, I've I've played Grand Theft Auto. I know what it's like to drive into a building in one car, drive out in another one. Like I I, I lived that thug life, you know. Uh, <laughs> I've never said <laughs> those words before. But you know, I'm gonna. I'm, we, we've come this far. Let's jump in that trunk. Oh.
1: Love it. Love it. I don't know how you're going to get out. I don't know what you're going to do if she discovers you as well, but that's part of the game, I suppose. (laughs) Murder, I assume. Well, I would imagine so. It is the cup of death. (laughs) And the pond of piranhas as well. Okay, let's do it. Let's get in. Oh, no, there's no piranhas in the trunk out there. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know yet, do we? (laughs) She might have a whole car full of piranhas. Meet me back at the tea ceremony. If I don't show up by five tonight, call the police, you tell Kenichi, before you dash across the street to Mrs. Oda's car. Luckily, the trunk is unlocked. You hop in, pull it shut after you, but make sure it doesn't catch Ah, escape plan. A few minutes later, you hear the front door of the car opened. The key turns to the ignition as you head off an occasional peek out of the back tells you you're heading out of Kyoto. An hour later, Miss An hour later, you've been in there an hour. My gosh! Wow! And a- wow! A- I'm in trouble. <laughs> Can you breathe? No one drives out that far. No, <laughs>
2: um, and
1: lives. An hour later, Mrs. Oda turns off at an exit for a lake. She begins driving more slowly and eventually stops. Through the trunk, you can hear muffled voices, then an electric whirl of some kind of gate. The car ascends down a long driveway through a wooden glen. Talk about expensive properties, you think, peeking out. Yeah,
2: because that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm in someone's trunk, driving out to the country, I'm like, oh, isn't it posh around here? <laughs>
1: Wow! I bet that lake has heaps of piranhas. (laughs) Look at the red water. Finally, the car comes to stop, and Mrs. Oda gets out. There are several people around. You can tell by the crunch of gravel under their feet. Then they walk away, and it's silent. Now, Brad, what do you do? You could get out of the trunk and have a look around or you could wait in the car a few more minutes to make sure the coast is clear
2: i don't know i quite knowing that you know we're out in this place and but there's quite a lot of people around i Mm. don't really want to risk someone just like coming to the trunk and me like oh there is a person confined in here and then killing me Mm. so i'm gonna get out and try and find a different vantage point
1: yeah Alright, look, I I don't know what's going to happen. I have not turned the page, but I kind of agree with you that if they find you in the trunk, they can easily just, like, kill you in the car. But if you're outside, at least you can kind of run away.
2: Yeah, just Mm. hide hide in the trees, go swimming in that lake. I mean, here it's nice this time of year.
1: (laughs) It's very expensive, apparently. Um, Alright, so we're going to go get out of the car and have a look around. You open the trunk a crack. If anyone sees you, they'll investigate, but the coast is clear. You dive into some bushes nearby and begin circling the large, elegant house. You can hear voices coming through one of the windows and stop to listen. But before you can hear anything, two shots of a shotgun are fired inside a room. Help me take care of her straight away, an invisible man orders. You peek over the window edge. And see, this time, it's Mrs. Oda's plump body being dragged from the room by two men wearing dark suits and sunglasses. The room is empty except for a white ceramic bowl sitting next to its box on a low table. It is the bowl you're looking for. Oh my gosh. Oh my
2: goodness. So she wasn't the culprit, but she's involved. She's involved. And now she's
1: dead. But uh, from the drawing again there's a drawing it's showing a large plump woman with very old glasses <laughs> being being dragged lifelessly across the floor out of the room we don't know if she's dead but it looks like it it very much looks like it yeah
2: I feel like I'm partially uh, responsible for this <laughs>
1: <laughs> why? What?
2: well maybe if I hadn't stalked around her house maybe she would have chosen another path
1: oh right yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's all to do with this phone call though, isn't it? I think, I, I wouldn't put the blame on yourself, Brad. I don't want you feeling bad. I really don't. <laughs> it's
2: like Schrodinger's old Japanese woman. You know, yeah. she, she
1: was dead whether I, whether I chose it or not. Again, the old saying, <laughs> without thinking of the danger you're in, you quickly climb through the window, grab the tea bowl and climb out again. This is very reckless behavior, Brad. You can hear voices around at the front, so you head into the woods. Ten minutes later, you're climbing over a fence that surrounds the property. As you hop to the ground, you hear a barking of an attack dog up the hill coming towards you. Two men in the distance are coming towards you. You scramble up the road and run across, almost getting hit by a truck. Uh, up ahead, you see a train station. You rush towards it, but you're exhausted. Your breath is coming in gasps. You stumble. Someone shouts, Stop that car! You look back and see two men climbing over the fence after you. A crowded bus slows to stop alongside you. The driver must think you're trying to catch it. At the same time an express train marked Kyoto steams past you towards a station at 100 yards away. Oh, I'm worn out just reading it. Now Brad, what are you going to do? Get the bus or dash for the train? Best Best escape plan? Oh, wow
2: yeah well the 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 bus is more of a sure thing that i will manage to actually get on it but then will it pull away in time is the other thing and plus the bus driver might stop to ask me questions and then those guys with guns are gonna catch up like yeah mate can you hurry it up a little bit whereas the train there's no such issue the train's gonna go whether i'm there or not uh i'm gonna mad dash i'm gonna mad dash for that train I, i think
1: Ignoring the bus, you make a dash for the station. The two men in pursuit have practically caught up with you when you leap onto the train. A split second before the doors slide shut, they bang on the windows, but the conductor ignores them, and the train lurches forward. Feuille, you—you you escaped. You escaped for now, Brad.
2: Can I? Can can we just put in a little bit of flavor that as I ran away from the bus? you know whose driver had stopped specifically to pick me up Mm. just to like rub it in his face i flipped i like gave him the finger (laughs) just just like thanks but no thanks
1: (laughs) you turn around screw you bus driver okay um where am i okay an hour later you are standing in front of the tea ceremony building you hurry towards the tea room and are relieved to see your friends as well as several old japanese men Kanichi is giving an informal talk to a police officer. Look, I got the bowl! Some crooks at a farmhouse near a lake had it, you exclaim. Your friends jump up, smiling, while one of the older men reaches gently for the bowl to examine it. Kenichi says, how did you get it? Mrs. Oda went to this fancy old farmhouse and got out of her car. As soon as it was quiet, I got out of the car and started circling the house. I heard voices coming from a room and went to listen. But before I could hear anything, two shots were fired. I think Mrs. Oda was killed, but I sure didn't stay around to find out. In the confusion, I just grabbed the bowl and escaped. "'I am afraid your friend was endangered unnecessarily,' the man explaining the bowl interjects. "'This bowl is a fake.' "'What?' the brothers say. "'It's a fake,' the old man says. "'A good copy, but it's not the real thing.' "'What do we do now?' Kenichi asks in despair. "'Start again at the beginning?' "'At least Mrs. Oda's dead. "'There's one less suspect,' you say cheerfully.' the end
2: if there's one positive takeaway it's that an innocent elderly person has perished
1: <laughs> wow and unbelievable that is the, that's the end of your story brad
2: that those men chase me with guns for a fake bowl
1: <laughs> yeah although maybe they didn't know it was fake which means mm. there's a
2: bigger conspiracy going on here than anyone maybe maybe the bowl was fake all along there was never a real bowl in that tea school
1: Oh right! Oh right! So they did have the bowl from the tea school, but that was—it was never, ever, a national treasure. It was always a fake. Yeah. Mm. That's a very cold line. That's that's the coldest death we've had on the podcast. I mean, I've had people eaten by rhinos. I've had people trapped in space. But I've never had a child say, at least the old woman is dead. There's one less suspect now. That's very cold. Her death
2: makes my job slightly easier. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: There we go. Youth today. I'm ple- how, how, Well, how do you feel you did as the Voyager today?
2: I think we got quite a lot of decisions made. I think, you know, we lasted mm. a fair while.
1: Yeah, it was one of the longer adventures. Um, so that means that yeah, the choices made were good ones for for the story to move forward. Do you regret any of the de- decisions?
2: Um, no, I, I, I just I, I wish something had happened with those piranhas. Like that was, um, ironically, a red herring um, in the story. <laughs> 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 That's just the correct literary term for it. Um, <laughs> yeah i just i wanted something to happen with piranhas and i i i I regret that i was involved with an old woman being murdered for a fake bowl like her death meant nothing
1: and 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 her gem shop is now going to be sat there probably be looted at some point it'll be
2: mismanaged by her son into the ground and he'll just steal from the till to feed his habits
1: oh no there's a knock-on effect to all these actions poor mrs Oda. Well, that was, like I said, first book by um, Shannon Gilligan, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, nicely written, uh, and a nice lot of choices to be made. Sometimes with these books there's way too much description and story, and not enough choices, so did you think it was a nice mix?
2: Yeah, I felt near the beginning there was quite a lot of exposition in trying to teach the reader the cultural aspects of the tea ceremony and why it was important. And, like, I get that from a writing point of view, as you want the reader to invest in it. If you just said, there's a tea thing missing, who you know, people are going to be like, I don't care. But, like, you have to sell the reader on, like, this is actually important. Then they go, oh, okay, then let's invest. Um... So yeah, swings and roundabouts like uh, there was a lot of work to get to the first choice. Um, I, I feel it was it all it all
1: had a reason to be. Brad, it was so much fun having you involved today and uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy evening to join us on Voyage of the Page Turner. Did you enjoy yourself?
2: Yeah no I, I had a lot of fun. I was very surprised with where that story went and the way that you read it um, was captivating.
1: so oh, well, wins all um, around. Thank you, thank you so much for that. And um, listen, if people want to listen to your brilliant um, adventures in your uh, world of Icen, um, where can they do that? Where's the best place to get in touch with you guys? All of
2: our socials are just at Fate of uh, F A T E O F I S E N. Um, or, yeah, we've got the website fateofisen.com where there's like pictures of our stupid faces and there's maps and there's episodes and fan art. We've got a lot of fan art, which is really rewarding when people draw pictures of the silly, dumb stories. And it's really cool.
1: Well, um, yes, do go and check out fate of and It's very, very enjoyable. And, uh, Brad is much better at accents than I am. <laughs> Don't um, be so hard on yourself. Dude. <laughs> um, so the final thing I think to wrap up this episode Brad um, because obviously the brothers will want to go to Mrs. Oda's funeral and somehow I would imagine that you would like to do a mini eulogy at the funeral um, about Mrs. Oda what would you say about this poor woman that you had murdered
2: Um, I would say uh, thank you for coming everybody Um, I didn't know Mrs. Oda for very long in fact I only knew her for the last few hours of her life i spent most of that time in the trunk of her car and uh she seemed like a nice old lady all the way up until shotguns blasted her head off so but it helped
1: me so like (laughs) thanks (laughs) (laughs) and then you just walk out of the church cackling (laughs) and i put put on my
2: sweet aviator glasses and walk out into the sunset
0: Voyage of the Page Turner. Featured the books by Shannon Gilligan. Hosted by Colin Lego. Featuring special guest Brad Zimmerman. Voiceover by Samuel Thomas. Produced by Colin Lego. Special thanks to Ant McGinley. Remember, you could find us on Instagram and Twitter at Page Turner Show. Find us, message us. ...like us. Until we meet next time, remember... Choose wisely.